0: Nathaniel Perry Solder was born on April 12, 1988 and was signed by the New York Football Giants in 2018 to what was at the time the largest contract an NFL offensive lineman has ever received. And after a slow and disappointing start to the 2018 season, he recovered nicely to have a solid, solid overall season. This is Previewing the Giants. David double underscore powers. How are you?
1: I'm good at jpenic74. I have a much better singing voice than you do. Oh, how did Twitter? (laughs) I think it's time. I think it's time to go to Twitter for a, uh, a sing off. Oh, I would love that. I will sing you under the table. I will sing your ass off. Don't you dare do that.
0: A player on the Giants touched my butt.
1: There was, i knew there was no way you were going to mention somebody's ass and not play that.
0: You know formations and personnel. What...
1: We have a lot of uh, ass references in our sound bites.
0: When you bring up the word ass, yeah, is there really like a difference when you bring up like ass and butt? Like you can't just say to somebody you're a butt. I feel like that's <laughs> less—that's less—that's uh, less malign when you say you're an ass.
1: When you call somebody a butt, it's a lot funnier.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like less—it's less benign it's less what malign i was gonna say because benign i thought you said
1: benign and i was like benign is the opposite of what you're going for
0: no i said no no i mixed the two i said benign nice. i mixed benign and malign uh and i said mm, yeah whatever um good radio uh we are here previewing the giants we are here previewing every single significant player on the giants roster today we are going to be combining two guys into one episode nate Solder, mike remmers the Giants' left tackle and right tackle, respectively. And, David, we are going to start out with Nate Solder, as the intro said. David, just uh, your overall thoughts, maybe, on Nate Solder's 2018 season. We'll get into some basic stats and info on him, and then our analysis portion, and then we'll move on to Mike Remmers. Well, I think for Nate Solder,
1: a word I would use to describe his 2018 season would be misunderstood. You know, he comes in for for what at the time was the largest contract an offensive lineman had received—four years, sixty-two million dollar contract. No doubt, hefty. But I think that put a target on his back really, really quick because a lot of people were very unhappy with that signing because of the amount of money um, and the fact that he's not young. It was it was worrisome to give that kind of a contract to a guy who was in his position. And he didn't start great. He didn't he didn't start the year very well. But then again. The offensive line as a whole didn't start the year very well, and I think there's something to be said for the fact that he's starting every game next to Will Hernandez. Now, I love Will Hernandez, and we've done Will Hernandez already, Um, and we both believe that he's probably the best lineman on this team. Uh, I believe he's the best lineman on this team, or he, by the end of the year, will be universally recognized as that. For you know, portions last season he was shaky. Will Hernandez had rookie struggles, and it happens to everybody. Nate Solder is probably not used to having a rookie next to him. And we've talked a lot whenever we've gone to the offensive lineman, Justin. Everything you do as an offensive lineman is really it's a it's a give and take between you and the guy next to you. And as a left tackle, protecting the quarterback's blind side, you need to have full trust in the guard next to you. And if you don't have full trust in the guard next to you, your play is going to struggle. If you allow me to, to take like two or three more minutes, Justin. Yeah. I want you to think about, and I might've even said this at some point during the year. I can't remember if I went into this, but think about watching the Patriots, right? So Nate's older, obviously coming from New England. Think, think of, of what you see when you watch Tom Brady throw the football. How often do you see Tom Brady roll out of the pocket? Everything he does is stepping up in the pocket. Everything is stepping up in the pocket. And it's because the offensive line is so sound, the guards don't allow any internal pressure. And the tackles are able to do what they're really supposed to do, which is push their guys to the outside and create a pocket for the quarterback to step up in. That's what Nate Toler has done his entire career, which has been a very, very successful career. You then, he then comes to the Giants with what was a bit of a circus at offensive line, with guards allowing pressure up the middle, which is something he's not used to. So for all he knows, he's doing his job. He's pushing his guy to the outside. And I'm not saying this is every sack he gave up. I'm not saying this is the case in every single play. But there were cases where, unfortunately, Nate Solder seemingly blocked blocked his man into Eli because Eli is backing up from the pressure in his face. He's getting, he's getting tackled by the end. And that's just because that's where Nate Solder wanted to put him. It just so happened that Eli had no choice but to go there as well. There's no pocket to step up into. I've, I I feel very, very passionately about not ragging on Nate Solder. And I think it's very easy because his contract is so massive and it put such a target on his back so, so early before he put a uniform on that we were very quick. To dismiss him, and then he really only improved his play when they when when the giant when when half the fan base stopped paying attention, and the entire narrative was about Eli, and the entire narrative was about benching him, trading him. We weren't paying really we, we, most of the fan base wasn't really paying attention anymore to when Nate Solder stepped his game up. All that being said, that gives a lot of optimism going into 2019, which we'll talk about in a second. But that that's my opinion on
0: his 2018 season. Misunderstood. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the numbers would tend to agree with you. Uh, I have his uh, Pro Football Focus overall grades by week, and ten out of his sixteen games were rated higher than a sixty-five. Um, Nate Soldier Nate Soldier surrendered two or few or two or fewer pressures in ten different games last year. And even going back to his days and his years with the Patriots, um, Soldier earned an overall season grade of at least 70 in all but his rookie season, also surpassed the 80.0 threshold twice. Now, David, this is what really impressed me is that no matter how much, you know, maybe he may have these, you know, just eye glaring plays of, oh, you did not just allow that guy to just totally just run around you. You did not allow this, blah, 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 blah. Soldier was one of 17 players last season who logged at least 1,000 snaps at the left tackle position. What is the one thing that we say on this podcast that Dave Gettleman values, not besides versatility? He values guys who are on the football field, and the best ability is availability. So he was one of 17 players last season who logged at least 1,000 snaps from the left tackle position, arguably the second most valuable position in the game of football. And among that group, he ranked ninth with a 74.1 overall grade. Now, that's a, that's a solid grade. Now, obviously, for a guy that, who at the time was getting paid as the best offensive lineman in the NFL, if you take all of that out of, <laughs> out of Nate Solder's evaluation, a 74.1 grade is pretty solid. So while it wasn't the best season that we've seen from Solder, he was a reliable pass blocker. He was just one of nine players to log at least 500 snaps in pass protection at left tackle, while surrendering a pressure rate no greater than 5%. So Solder, as a run blocker, he ranked eighth out of those 17 players who saw at least 1,000 snaps at left tackle last season, with a 63.4 run blocking grade. Not the best. Not the best, but really, David, I love the way that Solder and Hernandez started to move together as a tandem. And partially, you know, you you maybe can take his pass blocking grade and maybe you can evaluate that as its own like as its own entity because you typically have a lot of the time left tackles are on an island at with themselves but in the you know but in the running game you do have a lot of double teams you do have left tackles moving to the secondary level with their guards and being able to communicate who's going to shed who so the run blocking grade I'm a little bit more a uh, uh, tentative to truly believe, truly evaluate that 63.4 however out of the 23 left tackles who saw at least 300 run blocking snaps he ranked 8th with an impact run blocking percentage of 8.6%. So uh one more one more statistic, one more fact for you. Uh Nate Solder actually had the highest graded game by an offensive lineman last year, week 10 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the home game with a 92.6. So overall, um even though I tend to view his I like that Atlanta Falcon game, even though it wasn't his most uh, his lowest graded game by pro football focus. Like I just watched that Atlanta Falcon game live and then I rewatched it going back and I'm like, oh, that was his worst, 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 worst game. That was not a great game for the offense overall. That wasn't really a great game for anybody. I was going to say that was, you know, particularly looking at the entire offensive line. Yeah, yeah, particularly, you know, looking at Nate Solder, uh, that was a low point for him. But frankly, you know, he really did garner and gain my respect. As the season really did go on,
1: yeah, and, and I, I like your point about how how Hernandez and solder clearly started to mesh pretty well towards the end of the you know in the second half of the year and I think a lot of that has to do with Hernandez you know maturing and solder starting to buy into Hernandez a little bit you you get a rapport and and like you like you said, the best about ability is availability. And you're, I think we're beginning to see how important that is for this team. Look at, obviously, Solder, Zeitler never misses games. Hernandez didn't you know, miss a game. And also,
0: you just look it's at the be- Giants' former lineman in years past, right? You know, take take Eric Flowers out of the picture because there's there's no point in really comparing anybody to him. But you know, really, where the Giants' left tackle problem started is when we reinvested into Will Beatty, expecting him to, you know, come back from whatever huge injury that he had. And then he never came back. And then lo and behold, the giants have been in this perpetual, uh, who's going to be our left tackle problem uh, for the last few years, or we had to invest and trust in Eric flowers, even though everybody and their mother knew that he was not going to be serviceable at all. Like he was act, you know, he wasn't let right. alone serviceable is not even is not even serviceable is a compliment Uh, when mentioning serviceable and Eric flowers in the same sentence. That's a compliment to him, but it's not even true. Yeah. So ever since those days, and even going back to, you know, Weston Richburg, Justin Pugh, you know, those those names are are solid names. But, David, if they're not on the football field, I don't care how solid you are. If you're not on the football it field, especially as an offensive lineman, it, it, it just does not matter. And if you're not out there helping your team win games, I don't care what the reason is. Injuries suck. You run into bad luck sometimes. But, uh. Nate Solder's out there and I don't, you know, even look at, you know, you mentioned his age, you know, he's not, he's not young, but he's not old. You know, he's 31 years old, still in the prime of his career. And he's going to be on the team for the next two years. I'm still happy with the 30, you know, even with the 33 year old Nate soldier on this team, if he's out there for 16 games, I'm happy with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think he, he's given no reason to believe that that's not going to be the case. And, and as has a lot of this offensive line. So, I think you'll continue to see Solder and Hernandez mesh very well, and and I think it'll be for Solder's benefit, um, both in the run game and I think in the pass game. I think I think the left tackle, at least for this team, with a with a quarterback who doesn't move around very much, the left tackle is not as much as is not as much on an island as you think. I I think the way the left tackle is on this team is supposed, is supposed to pass block. It has a lot to do with how the guards are blocking as well.
0: Yeah, the only uh the only really weakness that I'm thinking on the top of my head that maybe I would want to point out and then we'll wrap up, we'll move on to Mike Remmers is in pass protection David, what I don't like what Solder does and shout out to I I asked uh Bobby Skinner one time like what what did Solder do wrong here? Cuz it really there was a play where I I want to say it was Vic Beasley in that Atlanta Falcon game where basically you had an edge rusher just they just ran around him. <laughs> they, they they ran around him where they did they just come off the ball that hard he was so far from soldier where he really the angle that the edge rusher took you know Solder couldn't even get his hands on him or else he would have been reaching and it is terrible 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 to reach as an offensive lineman because that's something that mike remmers is guilty of a little preview of that but uh he opens up his hips he really opens up his hips too much and what it does is it allows guys to simply you know run around them because when you're opening up your hips, David, and you're facing north-south where you're perpendicular as opposed to staying like straight up and staying square, it's a vulnerable position to be in. And Nate Solder found himself in that position, uh uh not frequently, but whenever you would see those oh my gosh plays from Nate Solder. It would typically because he really opens up. He has a tendency to open up his hips which allows edge rushers to simply almost sometimes just run right around him. So that's really the the really only glaring weakness that I see. Not to say that he's an, you know, he's an all-pro player cuz he's cuz he's not, but solid, reliable guy that this guy that this team has not had in a very long time. So David, any other final thoughts on Nate Solder? Maybe give a if you want to give any kind of projections or insights into his twenty nineteen season, any more than you have, and then we'll move on to Mike Remmers.
1: I think his twenty nineteen season will be very similar to the end of his twenty eighteen season. I think he will be somewhat under the radar. I think it'll be refreshing to have a left tackle who game in game out you can rely on to protect Eli. When I look at one offensive lineman, I have no, I, I my, my mind just goes immediately to looking at the entire offensive line, and, and I think Soldier will continue to play a very very big part in a very very improved and improving offensive line.
0: I would like his pro football focus grade to be above a 75. It was a 74.1 last year. Would I just I want to see that number go up to 75 because I want to see him match the consistency numbers that he had back in New England. That's it. And I'm sure if, you know, you eliminate the
1: first 5 or 6 weeks of the year, there's no reason why that grade wouldn't be up there
0: his final four games they were they were consistent in terms of they were all above 65 but none of them were above 69 so i mean he was consistent and that's not terrible that's 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 frankly it's frankly you know it's not it's not bad it's average but again i just i want to You obviously want to continue to see more because you figure that this offensive line as a whole is going to be more in sync. So really I want to see that grade as a uh, above a 75 this year, especially for the money that we are paying him. So David, that is it. Are you ready to move on to Michael Remmers? I am ready. First time anybody has probably ever called him Michael Remmers, but here we go. Michael Remmers. Michael Jacob Remmers, which is probably not his middle name, was born on April 11th, 1989 and was signed by the New York Football Giants this offseason for a one-year deal and he looks to shore up a right tackle spot that has not been since Justin Pugh's second year in the league in 2014. This is Previewing the Giants. Part 2. took me a second to really remember that that that, that was part 2. I was going to say that was that was a
1: very last minute part 2.
0: Yeah. Well also we typically don't do part 2s very often cuz we like to stick to one player per episode, but here we are. Um Mike Remmers, I, I really have to I really have to throw this out there. I know, we, I know we really need to do much personal information for for Nate Solda, but I really have to throw this out there cuz I thought this was really hilarious and funny and noteworthy. Uh he's from Portland, Oregon, so beautiful place first of all. Uh that's honestly like Low key, a a bucket list place that I want to visit just because it's like nature. I really, yeah, I really want to get to the Pacific Northwest. Right, that,
1: that's like a big thing. Can for we me.
0: go together and record podcasts in the mountains? When is the next time the Giants play in Seattle? Ooh, we should we should definitely. All right, go. we'll uh, we'll 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 pencil that for later, David. But as a senior offensive cool. lineman who stood at six foot five and weighed only. 220 pounds. That is a <laughs> weird looking. I mean, that's not like you see sometimes like these like these guys who are like 6'10, 200 pounds. And it's like, oh, you're a weird looking dude. Like, just, a, I mean, even 200 pounds isn't such a pencil. But you, under, you understand what I'm saying? Like, how awkward of uh, even just looking at him on the football field as a left tackle? How awkward is that? Like, 6'5, 220? Yeah.
1: It's just awkward. I feel like it would be it would be going up it, it, as like a high school senior it'd be going up against like like an asparagus. Wow, not like a singular asparagus. It's like when you go to the store and you buy a, an asparagus mm-hmm. bunch and you have multiple I feel like that's what it'd be going up against.
0: The dude is three hundred and ten pounds right now, so he had to put on like eighty seventy to eighty pounds by the time like he was in college. In a span of a few years, certainly bulked up and he's the better for it. But that's just it's that's honestly just 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 crazy to me. Um, He did not receive or uh, get a single scholarship offer in high school. Now, shout out. uh, Mike Remmers went to a Jesuit high school. He went to he went to Jesuit. Hey, Jesuit. I I hate that. I hate that. I've been going to a Jesuit school. This is my eighth year going to a Jesuit school. I hate when people say Jesuit lit.
1: I do, too. But like, what else was he going to say? I had to make
0: some kind of a statement. Oh, my God, I could say something, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So despite not getting a single scholarship offer, he did qualify academically and was given the opportunity to be a preferred walk on for the Ohio State University. So basically, he uh, he took that opportunity and never looked back. Isn't that crazy to just like hear like this 6'5", 220 hundred and twenty pound uh, guy from uh, from uh, Portland, Oregon, trying to go out to be a, a, an offensive lineman for the Ohio State University, and then he eventually probably earns a scholarship, and then he winds up in the NFL, winds up playing in a Super Bowl.
1: Well, I mean, what's really cool about that also is like if you think about it, the fact that a team like Ohio State's willing to give him you know give him a shot, and and even if it's just a preferred walk on. It means that somebody at some point saw that he was very that he was somewhat technically sound and he had some natural talent. Yeah. So I think it definitely, you know, some guys are just are just born gifted with a body for a certain sport or a certain activity. And and I think I like to see guys who nece- who aren't necessarily built for the job, but they they just are good at the job.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, in 2016, the last time Rimmers had a full and healthy season at right tackle, he was ranked as the 42nd tackle and had a 68.8 pass blocking grade. He played 11 games in 2017 at both left tackle and right tackle periodically throughout the season. He missed weeks 9 through 13 with an injury. It's imperative to note that Mike Remmers had a pro football focus grade of 69.6 in 2017, the year that Pat Shermer really had a grasp on that Vikings offense. You you look at those numbers and you look at um, 68.8 pass blocking grade in 2016, 69.6 pro football focus grade in 2017. If you think that's bad, um, well, you're right. It's not great but it's also not the worst the giants have had uh, not the worst the giants have seen. Uh Chad Wheeler his 2018 grade. Now David, I don't know if you've seen the number. I don't know if you're looking at the notes, but if you just had to guess what Chad Wheeler's grade from last year was, what was it? Pass blocking, we're only talking pass blocking. Just no, just overall grade. Overall now, grade. Now remember, remember how Pro Football Focus usually grades its players where they it's very hard to get very good grades. So remember yeah. that. wow well, I'm conf-
1: I'm very confident that Chad willow didn't get a very good
0: grade. Okay. So um, what, do you, what do you think it was?
1: I would have to say
0: mid to low fifties. It was a 47. Matches uh Ale- Alec Ogletree's number. That's you hate to see that I-
1: ironic. Very ironic, and that 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 also means that we just got our Alec
0: Ogletree out of the way. Also, I do want to mention that Bobby Hart's grade in 2016 was a 56.3. So basically, the last two right tackles that we've had, you know, 2016, Bobby Hart was also, I'm pretty sure, part of 2017 as well. And then Chad Wheeler in 2018. Now, we don't even need to even mention Eric Flowers. So if you, you know, if you think that, you know, oh, the uh, like an average of 70 for a pro football focus grade, especially for a guy that saw some sort of success in Pat Shermer's offense previously, if, if you're not happy with that, um, you know, just think of who we have had previously and be thankful when you put your head down uh, to go sleep tonight. Also, the also the contract is like nothing. It's a one year prove it deal. No, we
1: signed him to a to to a team friendly contract. And if he's able to come back from the injury and he's able and he's able to prove that he can he can. Revert back to when he was at least. I think he was better than serviceable. I think that's a complete win. He might he might end up being the weakest lineman on the team, but that's the weakest lineman on the team of of a line of pretty solid players. So again, on a team on a friendly deal, I, I'm I think Remmers is 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 an excellent signing. I think he fits very very well.
0: Yeah, and, and Remmers is on the Remmers might possibly be the weakest lineman out of the right, the uh, the best right guard in the league, John Halapio, who has been said that he has the potential to be a top five center, uh, a left guard in Will Hernandez, who will be a part of uh, the top five uh, best guard tandem in the entire league, who we said on this podcast is probably going to is hopefully going to get a voted to a Pro Bowl this year, and Nate Solder, who has been one of the most consistent tackles in over the last decade. So that's not a that, that's not necessarily a bad thing to say that you're going to be the worst lineman out of, the, out of no. the rest of those out of the rest of those four. I want to read one more stat from 2018 because 2018 was a little bit of a weird season for Mike Remmers. He was struggling through an injury. Um, the Vikings were trying to make the transition. Pat Shermer left and during the playoffs. They even tried to play him at a little bit of right guard and, and, and removing him from the right tackle spot. A player on the Vikings, one of their offensive linemen, retired heading into the 2018 season as well. So it was a little weird for him. They tried to move him from right tackle and put him at right guard. Uh, overall, that experiment did not work. <laughs> he had very bad numbers, <laughs> despite some of the articles that you see uh, maybe saying that he's adjusting comfortably. However, however David, uh, he did have a very good finish to the 2018 season, even though overall the numbers were somewhat very poor. So Remmers in 2018, after struggling through an injury and transitioning and making a position change in the first half of the season, during the second half of the season, Remmers was the 13th best offensive guard from week 10 until the rest of the season. I also want to mention his uh, penalty numbers on Pro Football Reference because I know, David, you especially like to hear those penalty numbers, and I want to find that for you. I do. Um, He typically averages around eight to nine penalties per season. Last year, he had six holding calls, 2017 and 11 games and 11 games played. He had four 2016. He had five holding calls, 2015 when he was still, you know, when he was with the Panthers, he also, he had three. Um, so really 2015 was maybe his best season overall for in terms of holding calls but so he, you know David so I guess what you're seeing from his pro football reference page he is going to have some holding calls um he's gonna have some penalties he's gonna have maybe about eight or nine uh, on average uh with the Giants uh this year which I know that's probably it's probably the most that we've looked at from our offense alignment so far
1: yeah it definitely is I I, I think Solder. Is probably somewhere in like the five
0: in like the five or six. Well, that's all penalties. I don't year. even think that that. And I he had he had two holding penalties last year. Oh, we're we're talking we're talking exclusively. I don't really holding. consider like false starts. Like, just learn how to count. <laughs> <laughs> it, it appears
1: that Eric Flowers has a hard time counting. Then, <laughs> um, I, I can deal. I can deal with eight or nine penalties in the season. I, I'm okay with that. Um, especially coming from, you know, from what we're coming from, I have no problem with that. I really do. Okay.
0: So a quick little analysis portion. Uh, I've, I've watched a, a decent amount of film on Mike Remmers cause I really wanted to try and get to know him a little bit. So here's some observations that I've taken away. Uh, Mike Remmers has the nasty and the mean streak that we have been missing in our tackles since really the days of David Deal. Remmers plays not just to block you, but to remove you from the play entirely. And that is a huge strength that it has even showed up in camp. But David, that's really been one of the biggest surprises that I've seen from camp, that Mike Remmers, he's playing to remove you from the play. He's not just playing to... Just block you and to get in front of you. I think that's also that kind of observation, and it's funny because you you've seen that with
1: Ramirez, you've seen it with Hernandez, um, in camp, you've seen it with uh, Zeitler in camp, and in preseason. Or are, are the offensive linemen are really finishing the plays? They're they're blocking through the whistle. And think about how important that is with the run with a running back like Saquon Barkley, who who so many times you think the play is over and the play's not actually right, over. Right, right, right. How important it is to continue blocking until you know you no longer have to. You're not just blocking the guy in front of you. You're blocking your man. So you're block you. You know you, the way these guys block. You watch them, and it seems as if their thought process is, "I will block this guy into the next guy," and. I think with a running back like Saquon, you never know where he's going to end up. You never know where a play is going to end up. That's crucial to a guy like Saquon's success.
0: So kind of expanding upon that thought, his play strength that he shows in the run game is something that pops out to me as well. I think he looks a lot more comfortable and capable of playing in the run game compared to past blocking situations. Very similar to Nate Solder. His ability to work with his guard and move to the secondary level is a plus, Um, In his past sets, he has solid footwork, is able to move and mirror defenders who come across him with with solid lateral movement. Uh, However, one of the main things that worries me about him, David, is that he has the tendency to lead more with his head and his body as opposed to keeping his legs under him and constantly being in control of his movement of his hands. Um, He has the tendency to lean forward in both the pass and running games. So what that looks like in, you know, in pass blocking situations, David, is, you know, you're backing up, you're backing up, you're backing up, and maybe you're going to reach for a defender. And what he's going to do, he's probably going to maybe, maybe he'll put on a swim move. Maybe he'll put on a rip move. Maybe even he'll put on a little bit of a spin move, and you're just going to be reaching for him. And you're going to see almost like a guy who's trying to, you know, reach for a hug. And, you know, it'll it'll kind of <laughs> it'll kind of look a little bit embarrassing. And this does worry me a bit, as it is one of my biggest concerns, the biggest one of the biggest concerns I have in in a line in an offensive lineman is having their feet in what looks like cement at times and having the tendency to reach for defenders, not having your feet under you. We talked about with Kevin Zeitler, how he has almost perfect eye and feet connection where his feet are always moving with his head. Sometimes Zeitler can fall victim of having his feet what almost looks like it's stuck in cement. So what I would do as a defensive lineman, when offensive lineman would start leaning forward off the snap of the ball. You mean Remmers, right? Well, Zeit. Well, what we talked about with Zeitler is that he had per- that perfect eye and foot connection.
1: Right. You, you, you Then said that Zeitler. Oh, I'm sorry. Had his feet in cement. No. I just want. I yeah, just want. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just yeah, Rembers, Rembers yeah. sometimes
0: look like he has his feet in cement. Um. So what I would do as a defensive lineman when I see that offensive linemen were leaning forward off the snap of the ball is basically I would open up my hips to their outside shoulder and give a good old you know give a good old swim or rip move um, over, basically right over them or right kind of like through them because I basically know if I hit their shoulder pad with that initial blow, that they're going to be on their hands and knees and they're going to be stumbling because they're not balanced. Where if you're balanced and if you have your feet under you, if I hit you on your shoulder, you're not going to go stumbling forward. And sometimes you see that uh, that being, uh, Mike Remmers being a, a victim of that. So really that's my only concern. And I, and I'm kind of, and I'm kind of done. That's, that's all. (laughs) That's all that I have to say on him. I mean,
1: whenever we come to offensive lineman, I kind of let you just go because you know what you're talking about a lot better than I I I don't,
0: I'm not, I'm not great, but
1: I'm not saying you're a savant. I'm just saying, you know, you know, you know, this is, this is your life, Justin. This is you. What I will say though, is the reaching that you're talking about. I think to put it in a more tangible number, that's why I think you see his holding calls are higher. I think that's why you see it that he, you know, I'm not saying that eight, I'm not saying eight or nine holding calls a year is not, it is not, you know, I'm not saying it's a terrible number, but when you reach, when you're off balance, when you're beat quickly off the edge, especially that's why that's how you end up holding because you're behind, you're playing from behind. So you, you need to try and make up ground wherever you can. And, and and you end up getting a fistful of some part of the defender you don't want.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Because if you are getting beaten, if you are reaching and a guy starts to go around you, you're gonna be reach you're gonna be grabbing. You're gonna be grabbing and out, you're gonna be grabbing a shoulder pad. You grab whatever you can. Yeah. As an offensive lineman, if you're grabbing anything outside, anything outside the the chest, anything outside the like the inside chest or anything that's outside of the armpits then you're probably going to get called for it. So uh, that's, I, th- David, I think that's going to be it for this episode, this two parter episode of previewing the giants. I would agree. I think we did a nice job today is you're hopefully the day that you're listening to this is the day that we play our final and fourth preseason game against the new England Patriots. So celebrate good times Dallas is that much closer. The start of the NFL season is much closer. And that's it. Keep on bleeding blue. And David. Thanks, guys. Stay beautiful.